Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Um, today, we're very kindly joined once again by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us today. Pleasure to be here, Jonathan. Fantastic. So, Alan um, and myself are going to discuss uh, a number of uh, of shares that have um, been attracting some interest this week. But before we do that, we're just going to touch on markets because we're seeing or have seen quite a strong rally in the global equity markets. Uh, we're looking at the FTSE 100. We're currently trading around that 63.50 level. Of course, that's up from um, the lows that we saw around 5,000. Indeed, over in the United States, you're looking at a NASDAQ that closed last night just 1% beneath its all-time high. Yeah. So a very sharp rally there. And this is during a period of severe economic strife. Obviously, the lockdowns from COVID-19 um, have basically wiped out global economies, particularly um, here in Europe. Uh, we're looking at a situation now, Alan, where there's a bit of a disconnect between the the, the equity markets and the valuations and the underlying economy. Which one do you think is going to snap back in line with the other first? Do you think we're going to see probably shares have a, a, a correction or do you think the opening up measures that we're seeing in the economy, is that going to produce uh, economic growth and, and a recovery that, that then justifies the higher equity valuations? Well, I think I think what's interesting, Jonathan, and we kind of touched on this last when we last spoke, um, is that this strong recovery in equity markets um, is it, it's been driven um, it's been driven, of course, by the recovery in, in in the major stocks, but also the junior markets are 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 doing a sterling job, and there's interest across the board. In fact, you could say that the A market has been rejuvenated. Um, and of course, as a result of all the interest in COVID stocks and some of the incredible gains these companies have added, that's had a it's had a spillover effect into into other stocks. And I think um, I think what's probably happening is that people are coming in, perhaps getting involved in COVID stocks for the first time. They're making money, and they're, so as a result, they're looking at other stocks um, in sectors that may have been ignored or shunned or, or for whatever reason. So so. It's this interest that uh, investors are seeing value in the stock market. They're seeing opportunities to make money. So when they've made money on the back of COVID stocks, that they're looking elsewhere. Now, going forward, of course, the there is an issue that um, I think the governments around the world are going to do all they can, and they're going to print money. They're going to print money. There's no doubt about it. To support industry, to keep paying furloughed staff, to um, to, to provide uh, grants and loans to companies to keep trading, to, to adjust their cost base so they can continue to trade. And of course, this is going to weigh heavily on the, the currencies of, of each nation with the effect that um, there's gonna, it's going it's to dilute the value of the currency. So ironically, this will, have a, this will have a very positive effect on 
commodities, uh, in particular, of course, precious metals such as gold. But I think commodities in general, it's um, their their hard, tangible um, assets, uh, which, of course, retain their value. And um, what we're seeing, I think, at the moment is we're seeing some very strong performances from smaller mining companies uh, and energy companies. And this is going to, I think, um, as much as anything, help to power the recovery. So, so in other words, the, uh, the the return of interest into small commodity stocks um, will drive recoveries, and then we'll probably get a rebalancing um, some somewhere further down the road. But um, I, yeah, I, I don't see this falling off a cliff anytime soon. So. With with the FTSE around the sort of sixty three hundred level, if you're looking at say, um, you know, the financials here in the UK, which have had uh, a bit of a bounce, some of the house builders that are um quite a bit stronger. Do you think those sort of, sort of stocks that have had a rally? Do you think those uh, sort of levels that we're seeing at the moment are justified given the sort of e- economic, the wider um, sort of real um, economic downturn that we could possibly see? Yeah, I I think um, some of those gains will will fall back in due course, but um, but of course as we get back to normal, I mean, I mean we've seen a very strong performance from the supermarkets as well, and um, you know food, fast moving consumer goods. Um, but I mean the the latent demand is still there, um, regardless. Now, of course, if the if the, uh, the the house prices continue to fall, I mean there has been a sharp adjustment this year, and that will need to be reflected. But um, uh, probably that adjustment is going to attract more buyers to the market, which will redress the balance. So, um, so I, th- I think you can you can look at it and say some of the sectors will see a correction um, in due course. Others may just continue to power higher. Um, and, and there was an argument, I think, that even prior to the COVID crisis, um, the, the the market was still relatively undervalued anyway. But um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure other economists listening to this will uh, will, will be spinning this pity out their cornflakes as we speak. But nonetheless, that that's my view. I think um, I think uh, I, I think unless there is a second wave that is more destructive than the first, I think we will see this recovery continue. Indeed. So, I mean, that's been the driver of this this stock market rally, and that's uh, optimism around a reopening and the associated recovery in the economies. Now, you've obviously mentioned there a second wave and how destructive that could be. Obviously, the government has put in their um, tracing, test and tracing uh, system, but there's obviously private companies that are providing a lot of the technology for this. And very much we're going to see a recovery. And if we do see a recovery, it's going to be facilitated by a strong level of testing uh, that does allow people to get back to work. It allows them um, to you know, get back to some form yeah. of normality where the economy starts to function as it was before. And some of these companies have had some very interesting updates in the last week. But one we're looking at today, Alan, is Open Orphan. And they're very much at the forefront of testing. And they've got a very interesting announcement today. So what does that look like? Okay, so Open Orphan um, uh, have a – well, the company is divided in, into three sectors, basically. They have 
they have um, uh, 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 their mission essentially is to consolidate um, uh, disparate uh, uh, drug companies, um, uh, particularly in the orphan drug sector. These are drugs that uh, uh, treat rare diseases and are, are difficult, in fact, to, um, to, to to manufacture and to to bring to market without government assistance. Um, they've developed a virtual rep platform and a health data a health database um, uh, which they which they they share with all the major the major pharma companies. But of course, the the company has is best known for the a series of acquisitions that it has made over the past uh, the, over the past six to eight months. The most notable being, of course, um, at the start of the year was HVivo, um, and it's HVivo that's very much involved in the in the COVID testing arena um, uh, for, for for a number of reasons. Firstly, HVivo owns uh, the uh, the largest quarantine centre in the Northern Hemisphere um, at Queen Mary's Hospital in East London, um, and they've been undergoing. There's been a lot of very public uh, testing of the COVID uh, virus. Mild forms uh, have been given to volunteers so they can assess and and look at the outcome. Um, and uh, Orphan has de- has uh, developed a, a, a number of joint ventures with uh, different companies going forward. Most recently with Quotient, um, uh, using their Mosaic antibody array, microarray system. Um, and they've been working for the past month or so on developing a uh, the uh, HVivo COVID clear test. Um, and today they announced that um, the test was launched uh, following the successful completion of testing and training people up. Um, and indeed, as we're speaking more or less, they, the company are making a press announcement and uh, launching this to the press. So this is incredibly exciting, an incredibly exciting development for for Open Orphan and puts them very much at the forefront of COVID testing. And of course, if this is rolled out and if it's adopted um, uh, by governments around the world, it could be actually huge for the company. Um and financially, Orphan are in a very strong position too. They've even on based on their current valuation, um, that they are they're going to be generating. I think uh, HVivo is set to generate some fifteen to eighteen million alone this year. Um, so the company is trading on on a very modest uh, multiple of uh, of its both its revenues and its and, and its and its profits. And indeed, Exec Chairman Cattle Frail has indicated the company will um, will be profitable uh, in this current year. Um, they also have plenty of cash in the bank from recent fundraisings. Um, and uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, they have multiple contracts with um, with the major farm groups uh, such as Ipsum. Um, and, and they have developments in other areas. They, they're working on a, the flu V vaccine, uh, which is a universal solution for flu. So in many areas, that they, they have... They have products and drugs that, and testing systems that, um, once they come to fruition, could be absolute game changers, both for um, the world, the human race, and also for, of course, for the company as well. Indeed. So there's obviously other companies involved in this area at the moment in terms of testing yeah. for COVID-19. Novasites, of course, one uh, that secured some contracts with um, Public Health England. How... Does open orphan fit into the bigger picture? Because there's obviously, um, you know, various different tests, and, and each company has their own uh, methodology 
they were obviously focusing on different bodies and you know different channels where where does open orphan fit into this i mean what's the type of test look like and and who's going to be using this test okay um so so the the clear test will be offered to large employer groups and channel partners uh and that's gp networks nursing services health clinics private hospitals um across the board so so they're very much going out to industry with this to to, uh, to 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 make this available to to the uh, to, to the commercial sector, so so very much part of the back to work process. It just means that uh, that um, uh, the the t- the, uh, the test results can be can be can be sort of uh, recovered, given to the employers, and of course um, the both the employee and uh, the employer knows exactly uh, the the status of that person um, before they come back to work, which of course is very important going forward. Um, and we spoke last week about Cat and I Innovation and the Cove, Cove ID app, um, which uh, which of course um, uh, will, will use those results and use blockchain technology to back up the immutable results of of those results. Okay, so I think that's going to be one that we're going to be speaking about again, Alan, because there's some very interesting um, you know, potential there in that company. Uh, and of course, they're, they're doing a, a press release as we speak. So there'll probably be some details on the UK Investor Magazine of that um, in due course. But we've got two more socks that we're going to cover today. And the first one of those, Alan, is Viserion. And it's a company that is very much IP driven in a material uh, that they've actually had a number of applications uh, made with that, of course, they've got a tie-up with one of the UK's leading engineering firms. So we've got an update um, from those recently. What does that look like, Alan, and how are they uh, performing at the moment? Okay, so so Viserion um, have over the years uh, 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 acquired a number of companies companies in the graphene technology arena. Um, they have. Uh, uh, the, the, the companies they have sort of uh, within their stable, as it were, is 2D technology, which applies the science uh, um, of graphene uh, and produces um, different applications. Nanine is a microlayer graphene, polygreen, enhanced uh, a polymer range, um, and, uh, and also uh, a number of others. Uh, Cambridge Graphene, which um, uh, manufactures graphene inks, um, uh, and has a 2D technology uh, material um, and con- it produces conductive inks. Um, and then ASC Saroma, which is, produces graphene-enhanced plastic products, injection and vac- vacuum moulding. Um, and then they have the Total Carbides, um, uh, uh, the Total Carbide company within the stable, which manufactures Simpson tungsten carbide, is wear resistant and is used, um, for example, in the oil and gas industry for nozzles and drills and also has applications in defense and, and aerospace. And they have a US arm too, which manifest, which uh, markets uh, graphene, the graphene stable of companies in the US. Um, so the company is trading currently at about uh, 40, just check right now as we speak, currently trading at 48.5p. Um, and um, it's it's got a market value of about uh, um, eighty about eighty million presently, um, but uh, most significantly this year the company announced that two um, D Tech, of course, uh, that was the first company I mentioned within the stable, 
um, had uh, had uh, partnered with Rolls Royce, or Rolls Royce had chosen to partner with Two D Tech to uh, to develop um, uh, products, uh, um, uh, both for applications within its uh, aero engines and uh, and uh, what Rolls Royce referred to as the next generation of aerospace engine systems, using the lightweight. For electrical components and the obviously the the robust nature of the products, given the the, the graphene, so it's a it was a huge endorsement for two D technology, and um, of course that was announced uh, back in uh, mid April. So um, we are due some sort of some uh, trading updates from the company very soon in that re- that regard. But um, certainly a very exciting company, and um, obviously as we come out of COVID. Uh, there are there'll be a number of opportunities within industry, and um, and uh, this is this is very much at the forefront of technology in aeros- um, in aerospace, um, and an endorsement such as Rolls Royce is key for the development of this this company going forward. Okay, so that's one that I think uh, investors are going to be particularly interested in because it's uh, a company that really is at the forefront of British British engineering. And I think coming out of this um, crisis, I, I think these companies, uh, number one, are going to be big employers in the UK. They're going to be providing a lot of jobs. Um, but they're also going to be putting uh, the UK on the map for precision engineering going forward. So definitely a sector to, uh, to be keeping an eye on there. So we're going to finish off, Alan, with a company that is... Um, re- relatively uh, unique to some extent um, because it's it's one that's got quite an interesting um, well it's had some interesting uh, sort of corporate events recently um, and for a oil company and, and probably it's an oil company towards the more junior uh, end of the market it's been paying dividends it's actually paid a, a special dividend yeah. uh, recently and and that's San Leon Energy. And they've caught your eye, and they've had a uh, a few updates. So, what's going on there, Alan, with them? Okay, so San Leon Energy have um, a number. It's an, an oil and gas energy company with with a range of assets. Um, and um, I'll, I'll just go through very quickly. They have a ten and a half percent stake in Nigeria, the OML eighteen um, um, asset, uh, which has produced one billion barrels of oil um, and one point eight trillion cubic feet of gas. Um, it's in the Niger Delta, near to Port Harcourt, and close to the Shell Bonnie Terminal. So, uh, of, of course, they've got. Uh, there's. It, it, it's very easy to get the the product into the market. Um, so uh, they also have a four and a half percent stake in the Barry Row uh, um, uh, prospect in the North Celtic Sea, run by Providence Resources. They have interest across seven concessions. Uh, approximately seven percent across each. Uh, uh, oil and gas um, assets in the West Carpathian Basin, that's in, in Poland, a uh, small stake in the Amstel field and the Netherlands, and they own uh, 100% of the Duresi block, which is a gas condensate light oil discovery in Albania. Um, so so, so a, a range of assets there. But um, I think what's, uh, what you pointed out really is, is key to this company it's paid out this huge special dividend uh, recently, six pence per share. And, um, of course, uh, off the back of that, the CEO um, and director, Ozan Fanning, bought um, a huge amount of shares um, 
and uh, paid out, you know, paid out a, a huge amount of his own money to purchase the shares. And that, you know, more than anything else, is a huge statement of uh, confidence both in the company and um, and in its and its near term prospects. So we're going to be seeing some uh, updates in the next few months, and clearly with the oil and gas. Uh, the oil and gas market where it is, um, uh, the, the stock is is trading very very close to its year lows. Um, but uh, as it uh, does pay out these dividends uh, from time to time, I think it's one that's worth picking up whilst the prices are low because um, oil demand will go on regardless of the move into uh, lithium and battery battery power technology, the energy, the oil and energy industry. Is, is going to be around with us for many years to come. So, um, and this is good because it's not a one-trick pony. It's got uh, a spread of risk across a number of assets. So, I mean, with these type of companies, Alan, I mean, from your perspective, um, you know, obviously th- this is a personal view. Um, I mean, in terms of sort of looking at junior uh, oil companies at the moment, do are you more excited about? Um, companies that are currently exploring, not yet producing um, out there, given the lower oil price? Or, or do you think that the valuations of those companies that ha- that are producing and, and have had some proven results, they've obviously been knocked down? Um, I mean, what your personal preference, which sort of set of those would you be looking at? Would you be looking at the explorers that are really sort of at, at, at the forefront of, uh, of drilling campaigns not yet proven, or those ones that have uh, have something there, but of course they've been pretty heavily hit by this low, lower oil price. Yeah, that's that's a very good point, actually, Jonathan. Uh, and that's um, I, I, th- I think I think uh, the answer to your question is is both um, because because yeah, the oil price has been hit at the moment because of, of course COVID shut down travel. That's now starting to uh, to to to, to uh, kickstart uh, back into life again. Um, but of course, um, the demand once it gets back to anything like uh, the demand we've seen previously, um, uh, there will still be requirements to find new new oil and gas prospects. And of course, it's all about getting the stuff out of the ground um, as cheaply as possible. And this is this is the key. And I think with Sandy on Energy, um, it's got both. It's got the the prospects that. Uh, are as yet as of yet undeveloped, and then it's got the the producing um, the producing uh, wells as well, such as OML eighteen in Nigeria. Um, so so that to me offers the best of both worlds and gives a good uh, offers investors a good spread of risk. Um, and that's of course if you've got an appetite to invest into this sector, which um, which uh, you know is arguably quite bombed out at the moment, but. This I, I just like the look of Sandmill and Energy. I just think it has a offers a good mix of risk, um, and uh, both the early stage and the later stage, uh, the later stage uh, producing projects. Agreed. Yes, yeah, so an interesting company then, and as you said, it does uh, bridge both of those um, scenarios there for the uh, for the oil the lower oil market. So, Alan, that's the. Uh, the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Alan, thank you very much for, for being with us again today. Thanks, Jonathan. Good to be here. So um, just a reminder, of course, the, the podcast, if you're listening to it on Apple iTunes, it is available there. It's available on the Amazon Alexa, as well as the UK Investor Magazine mobile app, which is downloadable from Google Play and the Apple 